0: With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft,
1: the Philadelphia Eagles select.
2: You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA.
1: Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris McPherson, and welcome to the final Indianapolis edition of the journey to the draft podcast presented by triple-a i'm joined alongside fran duffy can't really say alongside It's actually in the hotel room another late night in indianapolis uh day two of the workouts in the books the quarterbacks and the skill position players took to the field at lucas oil stadium we'll get into those results Uh, a bunch of other news and nuggets from analysts and uh Some rumor mill type stuff. We're going to address that all in our draft buzz. Uh, Since we are previewing the defensive backs today, we're going to look at six defensive backs who could be potential options for the Eagles in this year's draft. A little game of either or, putting Fran's feet to the fire. Going to put him under the gun in terms of which players he would select in certain situations. And, of course, we'll have your questions in our draft mailbag. But, Fran, uh, 24 hours from now, will be, hopefully, you know, if there's no complications from a travel standpoint, back in the city of brotherly love. So how does it feel that one of the biggest calendar markers of the draft process is quickly coming to an end?
2: It goes faster every year, that's for sure. Uh, And it's... You know, certainly a great trip. It's a grind, but uh, I'll be happy to be home, happy to see my wife, happy to get back in the office on Monday, because oh, as we get back on Sunday, we are back in the office on Monday, so uh, it'll be fun to, to get back into the swing of things back in Overcare.
1: You're going back to the office. What are you talking about when we land? Well, You've already said you have your list of guys who you're going to study as soon as you get back to Philadelphia, and you're not going home. You're not going to see your lovely wife, as beautiful as she is, you're... Going to go back to the office because you want to make sure that you don't miss out on anything going on with these prospects.
2: Well, I do have to pick up my car keys from my office. So, I mean, if I have to stop for, you know, an hour or two, I do.
1: I don't think your uh, wife listens to the podcast, and it's probably a good thing right now that she doesn't. So, (laughs) Uh, Let's get things rolling. It's a jam-packed edition of our Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Alright, a lot of news and nuggets to hit on in draft buzz, so let's get into it, Fran. Uh, Senior Bowl director Phil Savage saw Carson Wentz at the Senior Bowl, obviously. You got to see him up close in, in person. The quarterbacks did the agility drills and on-field workouts, and all the top quarterbacks threw. Very exciting to see. The only exception, Cardell Jones, who suffered what appeared to be a hamstring injury, so he was not able to throw. He injured it during uh, the 40-yard dash today. But nonetheless, Phil Savage, after seeing the quarterbacks take the field today, said that Carson Wentz, quote-unquote, clearly appears to be the best in the 2016 draft class.
2: Yeah, it's not surprising. Obviously, Phil, very, very confident in, in Wentz's abilities. He saw him at the Senior Bowl, recruited him to the Senior Bowl, has been watching him since his junior season. And look, I, I wasn't there for the entirety of the quarterback workout today, but a guy that... It was very, very impressive, and the more you watch the drills, you, even on TV, you could see that stand out. Uh, his arm talent is there. He's got everything you want from the quarterback position, and he shows next-level traits at a very high level. So uh, very, very excited about what Carson Wentz can be for his future NFL team.
1: Is Savage backing Wentz because he's a senior bowl guy? I'm Goff, sure he's not Goff just because. President.
2: I'm sure he's not just because, but uh, I'm sure that's, that helps a little bit.
1: Certainly. Got to help the cause there. Uh, next item comes from Zach Whitman, draft analyst on Twitter, and uh, you know he's into the Spark ratings and taking all the uh, agility drill numbers, the timing and testing numbers, and putting it together for the Spark formula. It's a rating to kind of you know measure the athleticism of the prospects, and uh, said that Josh Doxon was the top Spark athlete among the wide receivers, and that his Spark number would be in the 95th percentile of NFL wideouts.
2: Which is uh, very, very impressive for a guy uh, of Doxon's size. And uh, when you know that Doxon has outstanding ball skills and his hands are some of the best in the class, to pair that with that level of athleticism for his size is very, very impressive. So I'm always excited to see Zach's results when he puts all the numbers and crunches all of them and and comes out with the spark ratings for all these players. So excited for – that final spreadsheet to be announced here in the coming weeks, but uh, to see an early look at at what Doxon could be looking at uh, on that sheet will be very, very exciting.
1: Another wide receiver note, uh, one involving Doxon, Mike Mayock did a 20-minute press conference with the media following uh, Saturday's drills in Indianapolis and was asked about the wide receivers and Laquan Treadwell, how disappointing it was that he didn't run. Uh, Mayock said that in his estimation, Treadwell is a bottom half of the first round wide receiver. And a lot of mock drafts at this point show that he's a top 10, top 15 pick. He believes Treadwell is a bottom half of the first round wide receiver. He has Corey Coleman as a first round wide receiver. And in his estimation, that's it. Maybe Doxon slides in there, but you know he was throwing out the names of Michael Thomas, Tyler Boyd. At this point, he looks at Treadwell and Coleman as bona fide first-round receivers, you know, Braxton Miller, all those other guys that I already mentioned, most likely going in the second round.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I agree with Mike. You know, I've, I've said before that I, I'm not 100% all in on tre- – I think Treadwell's a, a nice player, absolutely has an ability to step right in and, and have an impact, but I never saw him as that elite-level receiver, that, that guy that you're going to take in the top 10, top 15, is going to be a consistent Pro Bowl talent year in year out and you know be that type of player i thought like i said though i, I think treadwell is a, is a very very good prospect so um you know it, it doesn't surprise me to hear him say that
1: it's interesting because that was one of our prop bets on the podcast the other day how many wide receivers will go in the first round and we said it at two and a half yep and you kind of were like i took the over i took it as a three just because it seems odd that a position has been so proficient especially with the instant impact that's provided and and maybe this class just doesn't have that or provide that it's weird to think that you won't have three at some point in the first round
2: yeah and Mike in the same press conference Mayock said that uh, this is the slowest wide receiver draft class that he can remember so it's a lot of times Quite slow yeah
1: say the very least actually let's get into uh, some of the numbers from the timing and testing drills the top 40 times for the wide receivers Will Fuller, Notre Dame, came in with a 4-3-2 40-yard dash to lead the way. TCU's Colby Listonby was second with a 4-3-5, and Trevor Davis of Cal had a 4-4-2. Uh, speaking of poor times for the wide receivers, Derunia Wilson, Mississippi State, coming in with his first 40-yard dash was a 4-9 flat, came in with a mid 4 eight on his second time around. And uh, on Twitter, a number of, of stats were coming up involving the slowest receiver times that have been drafted in the last couple of years. And I was even thinking, like, are you starting to get into tight end times at that rate? And, you know, a name I threw out to you, uh, Fran, was what was Zach Ertz's time in 2013? And you were like, he was a mid-4-6 guy. Yep. You're like, so this guy is, you know, quarter of a second slower than tight ends. You know, he is the tallest receiver in this draft class, so is there a chance maybe that he transitions to that position? But, you know, a lot of evaluators are going to be looking at that time and go, did he play that slow? What's going on here? Did he have an injury? What, what's the reason for this result?
2: Well, he the speed was certainly not his game, you know, when you watched him at Mississippi State. And he was not a guy that was going to be a consistent burner. It's always tough to tell with guys that are that size – what their long speed really is because they're such long striders in the open field. So they eat up ground in a hurry, but his game was not built on speed. You know, we said the same thing about Laquan Treadwell not his game is not built on speed. His speed, his game is built on being able to win at the catch point. Now Wilson had a lot of drops on tape as well. And a lot of focus drops this past season as a junior. So, you know, if you factor in the fact that, yeah, he's not, he's not going to be able to separate with his feet, and if he's going to have issues catching the football consistently, is he going to be able to separate that way and get win at the catch point? There's going to be some questions that are isn't about Deronio Wilson. Now, I think he's got ability to be that type of possession receiver, You know, whether or not it's as a receiver, whether it's as a tight end, whatever it is. I think he's going to be that kind of matchup guy that you can use in a number of different ways. I, th- I still think he can fill a role, but he's going to still need some ref- refinement moving forward.
1: All right, so let's look at some of the top tight end times. You have Jarrell Adams of South Carolina coming in with a four six four in the forty, Tamaric Hemingway of South Carolina State a four seven one, and Thomas Duarte, a player who you're a fan of, Fran, UCLA and Austin Hooper of Stanford tied for a four seven two.
2: Yeah, and Duarte is a guy that I'm really intrigued by just because of his athletic ability and also his great hands. And I thought he caught the ball caught the ball well today as well. Duarte is really, really fascinating. Not surprised at all to see Jarrell Adams, though, uh, run that well. And a guy that has always shown that speed down the seam. He was a high school quarterback, so showed up at South Carolina, really had to learn the tight end position, has played there for the last four seasons, never redshirted, a very, very intriguing player that got better each and every day down at the senior ball, was known for his athleticism leading into the season as a senior, really came along as a blocker this year as well. So, uh, I think the arrow is pointing up on Jarrell Adams.
1: All right, so the timing and testing drills in Indianapolis are very important. So are the interviews with the teams. But the medical evaluations might be arguably the most important, especially in the eyes of the decision-makers for the NFL. And sad report here coming from ESPN's Adam Schefter uh, that Jalen Smith, we talked a lot about him, on yesterday's podcast, while we were previewing the front seven on defense, Jalen Smith has been failed by at least three teams, could be even more than that. Yeah. And I believe it was Tony Pauline who has added that he may <clears> fall into the third day of the draft with that result. Now, we were being asked on the podcast yesterday, Jalen Smith, who had the knee injury in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, if he's there at 13 for the Eagles, would you take him? And we said, look, it comes down to the medical talent. No question from what he did on the field, the big thing would be how severe is this knee injury. And reportedly there's nerve damage involved. And, uh, you know, one of the most talented playmakers coming into his draft class, you know, may have a precipitous fall because of the injury.
2: Yeah. And, you know, there's talk of it, you know, leading down into the foot, not just the knee. I mean, there's who knows exactly what this medical situation is, but every team is going to have their own opinion of it. As we say, it only takes one. And, you know, It only takes one team to say that they feel comfortable with it, and then he goes high. But uh, we shall see. It's a, it's a real shame. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting to watch and see how it pans out.
1: Another medical evaluation, uh, don't know exactly where. I think it was Paxton Lynch himself who discussed it during his press conference with reporters, saying that he had an AC joint uh, injury and some knee some things that came up with the evaluations, medical evaluations from teams regarding his knees that he said might have spooked some teams. It's odd you hear that about a quarterback, especially one who potentially could be a first-round draft pick.
2: Odd to hear him bring it up with the media as well.
1: He's the one who volunteered the information too. Uh, But I found it interesting because of your study of Paxton Lynch, you noticed something from the beginning of the season – to the end of the season, and you thought that there might be something wrong.
2: You know, I just – watching them early in the year, they were, a, they were a shot play team. You know, they took a lot of deep shots downfield in the passing game. I can remember big plays against Ole Miss. I can remember big plays against Tulsa uh, on a Thursday night game. I mean, they, they were really, really good at attacking downfield, and you saw that arm strength on display, that touch on the deep ball on display each and every week somewhere around mid-season, that, the, those shot plays went away. And it wasn't just that, you know, they were there and he was checking down. I mean, they did not run them. The receivers were not running those routes as consistently for whatever reason. I didn't know if it was an injury with him. I didn't know if it was injuries along the O-line that they didn't feel that comfortable in protecting. I didn't know if someone went down. You know, I didn't do a ton of information, a ton of background work to see the, the players around him if there was something impacting it. But there was something there. You know, I was at the Temple game and I thought there was – one play all game long where one receiver ran more than 15 yards downfield. I mean, there was just – those plays were not called from the sideline. So, there, there was a reason for it. I just didn't know what. And Maybe, maybe this is it.
1: All right. So, uh, some other nuggets from Mike Max press conference today. Uh, he was asked about Reggie Raglan. What is his value as someone who, you know, in the, the way the NFL is today from a coverage standpoint, you know, does Reggie Raglin come off the field? And – Mayock said that in his eyes, he's a three-down linebacker, has no issues with him being a top-20 pick.
2: Well, you you know, one of the things that he brought up and I thought was interesting, and it's a a good point, is that Ragland on third down, you know, some people say, oh, well, can he be a three-down player? Can he play in coverage? Well, there's other things that uh, defensive players can do on third down, and one of them is rush the passer. And Ragland has shown both at Alabama and then also at the Senior Bowl had a lot of reps – in, in a pass rush situations that could be an area where he looks to help a team this fall and they, and that would be very interesting to see how he's used I, I've always talked in the past too I think he can be used as an underneath zone player as well so if you want to play you know man free coverage and he's your your whole defender underneath we've seen that with D'Amico Ryans for years here in Philadelphia can he be that kind of player underneath I think Racklin can do that do you want him in man-to-man coverage against Darren Sproles probably not but in certain ways, he can be used.
1: Well, how many linebackers do you oh, want of course. in that situation? That's sort of the thing. And you're probably sacrificing – if you're going to want someone in that situation, like, say, like, Duran Lee, you obviously sacrifice the weight in that situation. And Absolutely. All right, so uh, here's another nugget here. This came from – directly from Boise State edge rusher Kamalay Correa, player who you're a fan of, Fran. Correct. Uh, said that he received a second-round grade – from the advisory board and that led to him uh coming out in this year's draft class
2: yeah I'm, I'm really excited to see correa uh go through drills on on sunday he's a really athletic kid he's a high motor kid uh, i think he needs to get stronger and he needs to learn how to use his hands that is the number one thing that you're going to want to see from correa moving forward is can he develop his pass rush skill can he develop more of a repertoire and attacking offensive lineman as a pass rusher if he can do that He could really see his efficiency jump, and I think that he's a guy with a high upside in terms of his athletic ability. So not surprising at all to see him get a second-round grade.
1: As we look at the results or the uh, fallout from some of the workouts from Friday, specifically along the offensive line, uh, according to our our man Tony Pauline, there are a number of teams who believe Jack Conklin, the tackle out of Michigan State, will move into the draft's initial 15 picks – after, as a result of his workout.
2: And it's funny because Tony says that, and I, I've talked with multiple people who think that he's not a tackle at all and think that he's, he could be a guard or that he's definitely going to have to be a right tackle. So uh, I think everybody, this is the kind of year where – or this is the time of year where everybody obviously has their own opinions and sees things differently. There's all kinds of things being talked about all over the place uh, with certain prospects. And, you know, Conklin is a guy I want to continue to do more work on the athleticism is certainly the question that everybody has, but uh, then you get into the question of how important is that? Are there players that get by without elite athleticism at the tackle spot? There are players that are, are elite athletes that don't last in the league at the tackle spot, so it's not always about how athletic a guy is. It's It certainly helps, but it's not always the end-all, be-all. So uh, we'll see if that's the case with Conklin.
1: The uh, former walk-on has drawn comparison to John Runyon, former Eagle. Uh, another offensive lineman whose workout helped his stock, LaRaven Clark. We've talked about him quite a bit on the podcast. Uh, someone who came, who's coming from a spread offense where he's going to have to learn traditional pass sets. Uh, has the size that you know evaluators and decision makers and coaches will drool over. But a lot of refinement needs to be done. After his workout, Clark is apparently in the discussion to be a second-round pick, again, according to Tony Pauline.
2: And I thought that after seeing him in person at the senior ball, you know, because you talk about a guy who's got light feet, who's got an outstanding frame, is probably one of the biggest linemen uh, to come out in the last couple of years in terms of his height, his arm length, his hand size, uh, and his wingspan. I mean, he, he brings everything to the table from a size standpoint. Still needs some refinement, obviously, but the kid's got strong hands. He's got light feet. He's got the ability to move people at the point of attack. My guess would be, we were talking about the spark scores earlier with Zach Whitman, I would imagine that he will end up being one of the top spark performers because of his size and his athleticism.
1: All right, now uh, we'll transition to some defensive back nuggets here. Start with this one. So right now, Will Fuller, the receiver from Notre Dame, has the fastest 40-yard dash time. Former LSU cornerback Rashard Robinson told Dane Brugler of CBS Sports that he plans on running the fastest 40 at the combine.
2: And uh, he might. It will be very, very interesting. Here's the thing with Robinson, okay? He came in at one. okay? Really big, long kid from Florida, went to LSU, was listed at 6'3", 180 pounds, uh, was dismissed from the team.
1: Wait, wait, so he was listed at 6'3". He was
2: listed at 6'3", came in at one. That <laughs> happens, all right. <laughs> two, but 6'1". Not usually two inches. Right? I know, That's... but... At six, uh, he might be six one and a half though, so it might be an inch and a half. I didn't see okay. the exact number. Yeah, uh, ridiculous length for the for the cornerback spot. He's got a high ceiling, man. I mean, I think he needs a lot of work. He's one of those guys that freelances a little bit, and it really has gotten by because of his just na- his natural tools. Reminded me a lot of Aqib Talib physically, and it's ironic that he's also has the off field issues. Talib obviously had. Off-field issues at Kansas, he still ended up going in the first round. Robinson has issues. We'll see how high he goes. His first career start came back a couple years back against Mike Evans when Mike Evans was an All-American at Texas A&M, catching passes from Johnny Football you know, and ripping secondaries to shreds. Robinson held him to four catches for 81 yards, was the SEC freshman of the week. Robinson was an absolute stud when he was on the field for LSU. He was the reason why you never saw Jalen Collins during those those early years and Collins years, uh, there with LSU, he's got great physical ability. Needs to be a little bit more disciplined on field. The character questions are the issue, but he's got a high motor. Uh, you saw that speed, and he's talking about you know running in the low four threes. You saw that speed many times in the open field when he would run from one end to the other to, to catch up. because like I said, he's a high motor guy. He'll be trying to make plays from the other side of the field on a routine basis. Hey, Robinson's a really if everything was clean with Robinson, he'd be up there with Ramsey as a, as a top 5 top 10 talent. Uh, the you know the question is just, you know, discipline and off-field.
1: I was going to ask you to compare him to Jalen Collins because of the question with Collins oh, way was like, better. lack of experience yep. last year and Collins was a second round pick.
2: Yeah, I, so. l- I like I physically yeah. I like Robinson way more than I like Collins. Uh, now, you're going to teams are going to have to decide w- w- how they feel about Robinson off the field because you know, there were all kinds of issues, you know, he was arrested uh, back in the summer, even after he was kicked off the team. I mean, there's there's issues there. So uh, every team's going to have to kind of work through that and see how much uh, or how valuable that is to them.
1: All right. Uh, Florida safety, speaking of Florida, someone who played college football in the state of Florida, Keanu Neal. According to Tony Pauline, the buzz of Neal being a first-round pick at safety is getting louder and louder.
2: I like Neal a lot. I mean, I – I, I we talked about him yesterday, I believe, and in in our podcast, and I, I you know he stood out to me uh, very early, you know, a couple a couple years back. He came down and he hit Derrick Henry so hard, and it was Derrick Henry is a two hundred forty pound back, and he laid him out flat. Uh, and I said, man, I wrote I wrote his name down. I said, got to watch this kid <laughs> moving forward. And he ends up declaring for the draft. Didn't get a chance to watch him before the senior bowl. You know, obviously we're focused on the seniors. So after the senior ball, I watch him, and I was really, really surprised. You know, I, I like him more than all these other strong safeties in this class. Uh, I like him more than Carl Joseph. I like him more than, uh, you know, some of these uh, – Shoemate, and uh, certainly the, more than Cash and, and uh, Killebrew, a lot of these guys. I, I'll take Keanu Neal over all of them. Uh, I think he's got serviceable athleticism. I'm excited to see how he'll test on Monday. But then also you know, just his tackling – his instincts, he's, he never fall steps. He can play press man against tight ends. Uh, I'm really, really intrigued by Keanu Neal.
1: I mean, you got to think he's one of the 31 best players to be a first-round pick. So that's that's,
2: that's going to be the question. And that will be a question. Is, is he one of the 31 best? But uh, I think you could certainly make a case for him as the best safety in the class. To me, he's very, very close with Jalen Mills. Different, Completely different kinds of players. But in terms of overall talent, they're neck and neck in my mind.
1: Now, one of the popular safeties – among draft analysts is Jaron Curse, yes of Clemson, nephew of Javon Curse, former Philadelphia Eagle. According to Tony Pauline, many scouts have Curse's teammate T.J. Green rated higher than Curse. Now Curse is size wise, you rarely see a six-five. I don't know his official height and weight, but he was listed at six foot five. Rare you see that from the safety position. So certainly was getting a lot of attention between that and and the name. uh, But Green apparently might be the better pro player. Very similar to uh, – was it the Louisville situation Mm. last year where, you know, the two names are escaping my mind, but the the one was the ball hawk. Rod Holloman. Had all the interceptions, but it was his teammate who –
2: Oh, Calvin, I forget his name. And yeah. All these names all now are mixed together. But it's, that's a, actually a pretty good analogy. I don't know if I'm there yet, though. Here's the thing. So I have questions about both players. Curse, uh, curse is, is not going to be for everybody. And like you said, the, the size is very, very rare at the safety spot. So I would imagine there are going to be some teams that see him as a linebacker. If you see him as a safety, he's going to be that box-type player. I don't know how often you're going to want him playing on the back end you know, in terms of his frame, he'll remind you a little bit of George Aloka, who's a safety now for the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe he was a fourth round pick a couple years back out of TCU. Again, another one of those guys with you know great length. He's got the long arms, that gawky frame will come down and hit you as a running back. But you know, Curse I think has value, and it, it, you could imagine him in a role. The thing with T.J. Green is he's only been playing in safety position for two years. He was a receiver up until tw- uh, the 2014 season. Got good size. He's listed 6'3", 205 pounds, you know, by Clemson. And obviously athletically, I think there's there's definitely something there. Was a kick returner, was a quality special teamer for a couple years. He's still young. He's only gonna be a twenty year old rookie. There were a lot of issues from the, the uh in terms of run defense from his side. You know, and he played to the weak side of the formation. There were a lot of big plays in the run game to that side. I watched the Alabama game and I watched the Florida State game and both times, Clemson had big issues against the run, uh, and Green was a big part of that. You know, and so that'll be an issue. Uh, instincts, I think, are still a question. And obviously, look, he's still Green for the safety position. He still has a lot of room to grow. But I don't know if, I, if I'm ready to say that I would take him over Curse. Completely different players. You know, Green is going to be that free safety type. Uh, and we already mentioned the, how we feel about Curse is that strong safety type. But overall, I think I'd still prefer Curse, But still a lot of work to be done on both players.
1: Last year for Louisville, James Sample. Sample. Sample was the one who go. ended up being drafted higher. He was a fourth-round pick of the Jags, while Gerard Holloman, the bigger name going into the draft process, was a seventh-round pick of the Steelers. There we go. So that's going to do it for our draft buzz. Coming up next, pick six, six defensive backs who could be of interest to the Eagles.
2: Now it's time for Pick Six.
1: All right, pick six today. We're talking about the defensive backs. The defensive back drills will take place on Monday to round out the 2016 NFL Scouting Combine. We're trying to get you ready on this lovely Saturday night in downtown Indianapolis. That's right. Uh, Six defensive backs who could be of interest to the Eagles. Fran, you have the honors today to start things off.
2: Well, the first guy I want to talk about is the redshirt sophomore from Voorhees, New Jersey via ohio state that's eli apple who's 6'1 200 pounds he's got very good size for the cornerback position he's got great length his speed his athleticism stand out whenever i've watched him i can remember back in 2014 his redshirt freshman season going up against amari cooper in the ball game and i and i was just really really impressed in the sugar Bowl watching him hit pocket with cooper downfield not a guy that's gonna you know come down and hit you consistently i think he could still get a little bit better against the run, but, uh, you know, discipline in press coverage was also an area I wanted to see him continue to improve on. But a guy who's got all the physical tools to be that top half of the first-round type player wouldn't surprise me at all to see, to see Apple go top 15. So could he be in the Eagles' wheelhouse? So I mean, that would that would be interesting. We know that Jim Schwartz has liked those big physical press corners, and Apple has the size, he has the athleticism uh, to profile in that type of scheme. The wheelhouse. Weehouse. the wheelhouse the wheelhouse what is the wheelhouse
1: <laughs> sound like when you said wheelhouse Sounded oh like and the Weehouse.
2: wheelhouse the wheelhouse
1: i was like maybe it's a german version wheelhouse of the wheelhouse there you so, go uh i'm gonna go from the heartwarming story aspect for my first selection here okay uh Artie burns uh, cornerback yes. great from that. miami six foot even 193 pounds Went to Miami as a two-sport star, not just football, but he's an all-American hurdler. Uh, Second-team cornerback, all-conference this past season, intercepting six passes. I believe it was the most since the late Sean Taylor back in the day. Well, he lost his mother to a heart attack during the season. Uh, His father is incarcerated, so he decided to declare early for the draft, uh should post incredible numbers during the combine and will should from that standpoint, help his draft stock.
2: Yeah. Big kid, got strong hands, you know, athletically. I think he's there. I'll be interested to see how he runs and he was a track guy. I want to see ultimately what that long speed is, but uh, certainly an intriguing player and has had the ability to play inside outside a couple of different roles there in that Miami defense. Uh, the next guy I want to talk are about. You
1: changing, are you changing your answers?
2: No, I, you know, I, I want to, I listen. This guy is one of my favorite players at the position in the cornerback spot, and that's Harlan Miller from Southeastern Louisiana State. A guy that's got great size. I was very, very excited to see him down at the senior ball, and he really came through in a big way. I believe he was the practice player of the week at the cornerback spot. Uh, you know, a guy that really, really shows his size in a number of different ways. You see him excel at the line of scrimmage, you see him excel as a tackler. You know, I think people have questions still about his athletic ability. He'll have a chance to quell some of those concerns on Monday afternoon down at the uh, in Lucas Oil Stadium in those drills.
1: All right, my next guy, he uh, comes from good bloodlines. The uh, fourth brother in his family to suit up for Virginia Tech, and that's Kendall Fuller, 5'11, 187 pounds. Stepped into Virginia Tech as a true freshman and was second team All ACC. Uh, was first team All Conference as a sophomore despite a broken wrist. Well, in his third season, his junior season, he tore his meniscus before the season, tried to play through it. After three games, he shut it down, and actually told reporters he had to have microfracture surgery. So medical will be something to watch with him, certainly coming down the line. Uh, But if he can follow in the footsteps of his brother Kyle, a recent first-round pick of the Chicago Bears, probably someone who obviously is not going to get picked that high. But if everything checks out, maybe it's a good value to get a guy who – coming off the injury, and then get to put another full season of tape down there.
2: Yeah, the no O-Cons. question. F- I mean, Fuller's a really, really intriguing player. We talked with uh, – you talked with Charles Davis. Charles loves Kendall Fuller. He's a really, really big fan. And that was something that Mike Mayock talked about today was that he really, really was a big fan of this cornerback group as a whole, a lot of talented players in the group. Uh, so, the to the safety spot. We talked about corners so far. You know, one safety that's always intrigued me, and, I, and I'm a big fan of this kid. He was at the senior ball uh very much like the player i just mentioned harlan miller another small school guy from william and mary that's deandre houston carson a former corner transitioned to the safety spot this past season as a senior and he i i was really really impressed you know the, the he's got corner skills he's got good physicality he comes downhill he'll lay a hit on you as a tackler he wanted to transition to the safety spot so he could rack up more tackles he really likes coming downhill against ball carriers reminds me the way that he moves and the way that he looks in the open field reminds me a bit of former first-round pick, HaHa Clinton Dix. Obviously, you want to see him continue to improve there from the safety spots. of a whole different world seeing things from the back end, but uh, a really competitive player that I'm really, really excited about. I like DeAndre Houston Carson. I think the arrow's is pointing up on him.
1: All right, so uh, you know I'll go safety as well, and I'm going to be lazy. I'm just going to go to a player from same school I already mentioned, Okay, you give me a weird look here.
2: Uh, I'm excited to see who you name.
1: Deion Bush,
2: very nice. Miami
1: Hurricanes.
2: He's one of my favorite free safeties in the draft.
1: Six foot, even came in at 199 pounds. Uh, athletically, should test well here in Indianapolis. Uh, physical. He uh, special teams experience, which should help him right off the bat. Uh, four picks, 13 pass breakups in his career. And as I said with Artie, like the heartwarming, the touching stories good character guy. Well, he donated his per diem from the Independence Bowl to purchase Christmas gifts for homeless children.
2: Dion Bush, we got, and we had a chance to talk to him.
1: Look at that.
2: Down at the Shrine Game.
1: The Unofficial Visit, Fran Duffy, goes one-on-one with Dion Bush. Check it out. The Unofficial Visit.
2: Here now with Miami safety Dion Bush. And Dion, for those who have yet to see you play, obviously you've been you've had a long career with the Hurricanes.
0: Uh, what could you give a quick scouting report of yourself? Um, I feel like I'm a, um, a very physical safety that can that can cover. Um, that got a nose for the ball, and um, you know just got good awareness for the game. And you know I just like to bring my physicality in the game and just play hard every play. As far as ball skills
2: for a defensive back, everyone talks about how important that is. Do you think that's something that's innate, or do you think that that's something that you're
0: uh, that you can improve on through practice reps? I mean, um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I got pretty good ball skill. Um, you know, I've been playing at DB for a long time, and um, it, it kind of came natural to me. Um, you know, you can always improve at, at anything, at any type of skill you have. But I feel like I got a I got a good nap for the ball and, and having ball skills. Do you think that, based off your feedback you've gotten from NFL scouts,
2: there's something that you definitely want to improve on moving forward throughout the draft process?
0: Um, something that I, that I, that I want to um, improve on um, is um, wrapping up most of the time. Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, since I play physical, I like to get a big hit on a lot of people. And um, at the end of the day, it's a time to get a big hit. And it's time to just wrap up and, and play another down. Um, I, I feel like, in some situations, I got to make sure that I wrap up um, every time. And, and be consistent with that and i and that's the thing i probably got to improve on the most
2: one thing that occurred to me while watching you is that they put you all over the field you know you played single high you play too
0: high you play in the slot what's your favorite
2: role to play inside that defense
0: you know it's it's fun all of it's fun to me on uh, football is football and you can line me up on a on the island by myself and i feel comfortable so um you know all of them is is, is basically a setting to me and whatever the team need me at i'm really willing to go play the
2: in your season, senior season, this will be the last question for you. Who would you say is the best player you went up against this past fall?
0: Um, I'd probably say Davin Cook. Um, you know, he's a very explosive, fast player. Um, there's a lot of good players, great players that we played against this year, but I think um, he, he was probably the most explosive player that we played. All right, Deion, best of luck and appreciate the time. All right, no, thank you. No
1: problem.
2: On the clock.
1: time for a little on-the-clock, a little game time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Uh, we're going to put Fran's feet to the fire in a little game that we call Either Or. All right, Fran's Love ready. Either ready? Or. Yeah. Put
2: me on the spot.
1: All right. Let's see how you do with these situations. We, we kept it focused on the defensive backs to offer a defensive back preview. There are going to be some names that I'm sure that draft fans will recognize and maybe some that you don't. So hopefully that's the purpose of the podcast here. Fran is biting his nails. He's getting hungry. It a little is, nervous. It's uh, getting to be almost 8 o'clock Saturday night in Indy. And he's not had – he hasn't eaten since breakfast. It's a long a time huge ago. huge breakfast, but nonetheless, uh, I don't know. He's trying to get in uh, in playing shape here or something. There we go. Looking for the draft. All right, either or, kick things off here. Jalen Ramsey, largely considered the consensus top defensive back in this year's draft class. You know, expected to be a top five pick. Some mock drafts have him going as high as number one. For analysts who are really huge fans of his, uh, would you use, would you trade up from 13 if you're the Eagles to get Jalen Ramsey, or use a third round pick on another cornerback?
2: You know, I, I've said for a long time that I think Laramie Tunsil is the the top player in this draft class. I think Jalen Ramsey is number two. You know, I, I think that he's going to be an impact player for a defense. Whether you think he's at a corner, whether you think he's a, a slot player, a matchup guy, whether you think he's as a safety in a full-time safety position, I think he's going to be an impact player for a defense. And, and I think I feel pretty safe in saying that. I think he could be an excellent corner. To me, if you if he falls a little bit to the point where you can reach reach him with a third-round pick and you could trade uh. up and get him, I think that you make that move, uh, so and it, you know uh, I'm a big fan of Jalen Ramsey. And I mean, to me, I, to me, you know, it depends on how. And also, we don't know. We don't know how the new staff feels about the current situation at corner. You know, true. do they see Eric Rowe as a corner? Do they see him as a safety? Do they see you know uh, Nolan Carroll coming back? Do they see EJ Biggers coming back? You know, there's you know room to grow there at the cornerback spot potentially. So that that'll be a very very interesting debate, but. Ramsey, to me, like I said, outstanding player. You have a once in a lifetime, not you know, a very a once in a decade type prospect in Laramie Tunsil. If not for Tunsil, I think Ramsey would be the best player in the
1: draft. Looking quickly at the NFL.com slew of mock drafts, none of them, four here, none of them have Jalen Ramsey getting out of the top five.
2: Well, you never know. You never. <laughs> yes,
1: you never. True. Never know, but even to get to number six from 13 you're probably looking at both those third round picks yep you don't have the second round pick already it's a, it' seems like it's a deep every from everything you read you hear and' talking it's really deep in that you know that 15 to like 50 range it's like you want to be able to strike in that range if possible well
2: maybe maybe there are some GMs that are picking on the top five that were in attendance today. In the media room for Mackenzie Alexander's press conference.
1: The winner of the pr- that is. I've never
2: heard a press conference better during the what is it five years oh, now at the combine. Man.
1: I'm just trying to think, I, and I go back to the first combine I attended was 06.
2: It wasn't just the, the the you know the the cockiness, and I'm the best corner in the draft. It wasn't it wasn't just that. The fact that you know he's asked about defending Laquan Treadwell, and he goes about. Detailing everything that he would do in preparation, everything that he would do on the field, and knowing all the different route breaks at certain depths, and then says, "Okay, that's how I would do Treadwell. Now, if I'm going to defend Will Fuller, I'm going to defend him this way. And if he runs, if he goes outside release, and I see him at eight yards, and he, then I know it's only two routes, and you know I'm going to try and shoot through the hands, and I'm going to try and take away his speed because I know that that's the way he's going to beat me." And I know that I'm the best prepared corner in this draft. I know no one works harder at me. I am the number one corner of this draft. My jaw, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Like This kid sold Passion. me. Yeah, I, I, was, I was awestruck by uh, Mackenzie Alexander's press conference. I was really, really impressed.
1: Yeah. Um, of course, he referred to himself in the third person. I'm all confident. about that.
2: Jalen Ramsey did that, too.
1: Oh, did he finally speak? Not,
2: he did not speak today. He, this was back in the summer. Got gotcha, you. Okay, uh, I was gonna say we,
1: he did not come into the uh, he did not press speak Room. So. Uh, there
2: was a quote from Jalen Ramsey back in the uh, back in the summer because keep in mind this was his first year as a starter on the outside. Ramsey. Yeah. And uh, there was a there was a point. It was in the summer and he was interviewed and he was asked about you know his role in the defense. He said, "You know, when Jalen's out there at that corner spot one on one with somebody, you don't have to worry <laughs> about that." <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with talking yeah. to the third person <laughs> as a corner. Any position that needs more confidence, it's the cornerback spot. Because so I'm a, all right with that.
1: Because a lot of the press conferences, it's what type of player you are. Sure, yeah. You know, and the guys, it seems like a lot of the guys who have the storylines are the ones with either they overcame something tragic or dramatic during their, their recent life. Yep. Uh you know, DeForest Buckner talked a lot about his father who was in a motorcycle accident and was in a coma for six months. And after he came out of the coma, told his son that you're going to have to be the man of the house. I don't know how much longer I have to live. He's fine. I mean, he survived and he's gone through rehab. And I think with the assistance of a walker, can walk again. But you get those type of stories. It's You don't always get guys to really come out of their shell. And obviously, it's going to be harder for some. You know, some are being protective. Uh, some are you know, just trying to get through the media interview. They're coached up by their agent. Uh, you, know, you look at Robert Kimdicci, who basically threw Laramie Tunsil under the bus for being at the site of uh, where Kimdicci fell out of the... Poor
2: Laramie floor. Tunsil. <laughs> Laramie Tunsil's been thrown under the bus twice in the last 12 months.
1: Yeah. so Poor guy. Uh, so to, to hear Alexander, how passionate and excited he was, it was a very entertaining press conference. And... Uh, you know, I've seen people rank the top press conferences. It's like Alexander is by far number one. I don't even know what would be number two, but to me, just getting back to the scenario, Ramsey or third round pick. You know, Mayock said that it's a deep, deeper class at cornerback than may expect. It's probably a steep price, steep price to pay.
2: Probably to would be. There. Probably would be. All
1: right. Next, either or, either. Two cornerbacks here for you. Lot of, I think this was actually a question that came across to us on Twitter, if I'm yes. correct. Yes. So, uh, was it Dat Martinez fan? Martinez fam? fam. Look at that. Don't even have it in front of me. There you go. And I know who it's from. Xavier Howard of Baylor or Willie Jackson the third out of Houston?
2: You know, who Willie, would you take? Will, Willie Jackson the third is a big kid. You know, he's got great size. He's got the ability to disrupt early in the down. He showed that. Uh, throughout his career at Houston. He was a junior college kid in 2012, so he's played there now for three seasons. He's listed six foot and a half, 185 pounds, Uh, has ability to be that kind of disruptor early at the line of scrimmage. He's got the ball skills. Seen him go up, make plays on the football, uh, shows the hands to reel in the interception, has that going for him. Athletically, I have some questions, and I'm interested to see him test on Monday. I think that'll be big for him. I think a lot because I know a lot of people on you know in in draft Twitter, are big big William Jackson fans. I've got questions about his athletic ability, so we'll see. I like Xavier Howard worlds better than I like William Jackson.
1: Worlds better, not even well, a yeah, question. yeah. I think
2: it's I think it's I think Xavier Howard is one of the top five corners in the draft. Um, you know, I, he's got great size, he's listed 6'1", 200 I didn't see the official measurement today mm-hmm. uh, I can set, bring it up while I'm continuing to talk about him, but one of the things that I was most impressed with with Xavier Howard was his natural feel for playing the cornerback spot, he came in at 6 foot 6 foot 201 31 and a quarter inch arms uh, and again, that's that patience at the line of scrimmage, that patience downfield you know, I saw a guy that was you know and and I, I don't want to don't get me wrong, there's the patience, but then there's also the, the the willingness to take chances too and to try and jump routes and he was very very aggressive, you know I really was a big fan of of Xavier Howard And I even talked about his his quickness his athleticism I think that you know some are gonna question his time speed and we'll be very I'll be very interested to see how he times I think that this kid is one of the best corners in the draft he was a high school quarterback uh, actually what's interesting. He and Jackson were teammates in high school. Really? So imagine that secondary uh, if you're a high school offense. But, you know, Howard, to me, is, is a very, very good player. Showed no, uh, and the other thing, I think his ball skills are better than Jackson's, and Jackson's got good ball skills. I think Howard has excellent ball skills. So uh, a guy that can play man coverage, can play press, can play off, and has ball skills. I mean, that's total package type stuff at the cornerback spot.
1: Uh, Zavian Howard came in at six foot even, 201 pounds. There you go. Uh, Jackson, you mentioned the ball skills, led the nation to a 23 pass breakups Yes. this past season. All right, so Howard, no question in your estimation, the next either-or, Eric Rowe. And you're thinking, wait, 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 Eric Rowe's in the draft class? No, we wanted to throw in Eagles up-and-coming player, second-year player, You know, team's second-round pick a year ago, Eric Rowe, or Maryland's Sean Davis.
2: Here's what's interesting is that I compared Davis to Rowe, uh, very interesting situations, similar situations. You know, Roe Ro and Davis were both safeties during their junior seasons, transitioned to corner uh, as seniors. You know, th- some people see them as corners. Some people see them as safeties. They both went to the senior ball. They both played safety at the senior ball because of the lack of bodies there. You know, I think that I saw more flashes of cornerback ability from Rowe, not just last year as a rookie in the NFL, Mm -hmm. but also during his time at Utah. I thought I saw a little bit. Now, I've seen enough from Davis. I still consider Davis a corner. I think it's more likely that Davis is a safety at the next level than I thought with Rowe. Gotcha. Still like Davis as a corner. Don't get me wrong.
1: But you think that Rowe is a better corner than Davis
2: is? I think Rowe is a better corner than Davis is. Okay. So I'm going to go with Rowe here. Still like both players. I'm a big fan of Davis because again, with both players, what do you when you boil it down? You either have one of those big physical press corners, or you've got that safety with corner cover skills that can cover receivers, and and that's very very valuable in today's game.
1: Uh, Davis had 100 tackles in each of his past two seasons at Maryland. Next, either or, and this is going to be an either or or situation. Talked about Jaron Curse, uh, Clemson. Would you take him? Jeremy Cash, the hybrid safety linebacker from Duke, or West Virginia's Carl Joseph, who, you got to factor this into it, he is Mike Mayock's top safety. True. But he's coming off an ACL injury. Coming
2: off the ACL. Did mention earlier that of the strong safety type players, the Keanu Neal, far and away, is is my favorite of that group. But of these three, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think that Cash probably you, you need and you need to play cash in a very specific way much like you talked about with Dion Buchanan a couple years back. I think you need to play you need to play cash that way. I think you' probably need to play Joseph that way as well it's tough yeah you know, I, I think, I think that they're bind. all I think that they're all that same kind of player if I had to if I had to guess though if I had to say the, these are this, this is who I would take. Uh, I probably lean curse. Okay. I probably lean curse. If I had to rank it, I would probably go curse, cash, then
1: Joseph. Interesting. How much does the injury factor into it for you? The injury factors
2: in, okay. sure. But it should be noted too. It's not like Joseph's game is built on you know his athletic ability no. or his range. Range is a big question for me with both Joseph and with uh, with cash. I I don't expect either play. Well, we're not going to see Joseph run. I don't expect Cash to time well in the in the 40 or in the, even in the 10 gotcha. uh, on Monday. I could be wrong, and we're going to we're gonna find out, but I, I don't expect him to time well.
1: All right, last either or for you, Jalen Mills or – One of my
2: favorite safeties.
1: Or Ohio State's Von Bell.
2: I would take Mills. You know, I know a lot of people are really high on Bell. He's getting a lot of love right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as one of the more rangy safeties in this draft class 511 205 pounds, a true junior five star recruit a first team all american this past season has some physicality to him too will come downhill i think he's a solid athlete you know and he's got range off the hat i mean he can he can cover sideline to sideline he's got that ability to play that way i discipline it was a little bit of a question mark for me i, I thought that he was a little bit slow to see things sometimes i thought he he bit a little too hard sometimes on run fakes and is prone to getting beat over the top a little bit. So some questions there. I, I think I like Mills overall a little bit more. I think he's a better athlete. He's got that corner flexibility, which I don't think Bell has. I, I don't know that I want Bell you know, coming down and playing consistently you know, as a corner, whereas Mills can do it. He did it at a, at a pretty high level at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I would take Mills in that situation.
1: All right. Nice job, Fran. Thank you. Especially on an empty stomach. I think that adds to the drama – Adds to oh, the it injury. certainly does. All right, that's going to do it for our On the Clock. Now let's round things out with your questions in our draft mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for the draft mailbag. And we'll start things off tonight with our good friend, Wilton Houston, who wants to know, as we're talking about defensive backs, is there any defensive back? Not named Jalen Ramsey worthy of the 13th pick.
2: I think it depends on what kind of scheme you want to run. I think if you're okay with smaller corners, I think you'll talk about Hargreaves and you may talk about Mackenzie Alexander in that role. Mike ta- Mike Mayock talked today about Mackenzie Alexander's lack of ball production, no, zero interceptions in his career, mm-hmm. was never was very rarely thrown at. Certainly have to take that into account, so you don't see it often. He'll be a guy that I think a lot of people will be focused on in the in ball drills this week, uh, you know, on how he plays the ball in the air. Um,
1: Hargraves, Mayock said he wasn't concerned about the size, right? That he had proper length and, you know, that he would be able to make up for it with his technique and athleticism. So
2: exactly now, if you're talking just purely, you know, physical ability, and physical tools, I think Apple certainly could be in that discussion. Um, I told you before. I think Robinson, Rashard Robinson from LSU, would have been in that discussion if he was clean off the field. Obviously, the, the if is is true. He, you know, there there are issues there with Robinson off the field, so uh, that's going to impact the evaluation. So those would be the names. Howard too. Uh, to me, I don't know if he's t- if he's 13, but man, he's he's so talented. I, I'm a big fan of Xavier Howard.
1: The thing is, looking at size. Looking at Jim Schwartz's history on defense, he's had taller press corners. Right.
2: So exactly. So, that's
1: why, to me, that would probably rule out Alexander and Hargraves. Is Apple worthy of the 13th pick? does that seem, seems a bit rich.
2: But not, a lot, not a ton of people talk about it now, but you know, Mike did say today, too, he wouldn't be surprised at all to see more buzz start about this cornerback class a little bit higher than people are talking about no. now. So, who knows? Maybe Apple's one of those names.
1: Okay. Right. Uh, Raheem Jackson, at Raheem Jackson on Twitter. Uh, Kind of already went into it. Your thoughts on Jeremy Cash?
2: I think Cash needs to be a sub-package player at this point. I I think that he's a guy that you want to play like Deion Buchanan. I don't even know that he could play like Cam Chancellor where most of the time you're going to rotate him down because Chancellor at times is playing deep. I I don't know that I would trust trust Cash in that kind of role. I think that he's got to be down near the line of scrimmage almost as a linebacker. I, I just think that that's what his best role is. Uh, and if he's not there, then I would be surprised, so we'll see.
1: Next question comes from Team Dougie P at Eagles Breakdown. Does Jason Spriggs, the talented tackle out of Indiana, remind you of Lane Johnson coming out? <sighs> I mean, to me, without really comparing the film, the experience would be the big thing because Lane Johnson didn't have a ton of experience along the offensive line. We've all tracked you as the, you know, Juco quarterback who played on defensive side of the football, eventually ended up, you know, as the team's number four overall pick, where Spriggs was a true freshman starting at left tackle
2: in his, fir- in his first year as a tackle too, because yeah. he was a high school tight end. Don't forget. So uh, certainly that that is a big thing. But um, the I guess the the similarities come in the fact that both were big kids. You know, have a good the the body type is there to be a left tackle, and Spriggs has has light feet. You know, very much like. Lane did, you know? I don't. I don't think the testing numbers were as good for Spriggs, but no. Um, but certainly a, a good athlete for the position that offers a, a lot of value there. So I think Spriggs has left tackle ability in the NFL. All
1: right. So I guess in that case they would be similar. Yeah. Uh, next up, Juan Galvez at Juan L Galvez on Twitter. Would you expect Paxton Lynch's skill set to translate into the new system, and how can the staff mold him?
2: You know, I think that Lynch has a lot of physical tools, and, I, and certainly there's upside there in terms of the physical ability. Uh, he's got great arm. He's got light feet. He's got great touchdown field. The accuracy at times, the ball placement at times is a little bit erratic, um, and there are, some, there are some mechanical things you can clean up there with Lynch. But, you know, physically, sure, there, there's everything you want, and especially you, know, you look at what Doug Peterson has done in the past with Alex Smith and some of the movement elements – of the game, I think Lynch can do everything there. You know, I think he he was used in the zone read a good amount at Memphis. Showed the ability to pick up yards with his feet, and I, I think he can do that at the next level. He's gonna he surprised people I thought with his athleticism for a guy who's six six and change, uh, you know, nearly two hundred fifty pounds. I, I Lynch is an impressive player.
1: Uh, next question comes from Bid the Kid at JB1DD on Twitter. Personally, I get more excited about the third and fifth rounds. This All is All right, what it said. Uh, Right in your alley, Fran, what players projected there seem to have the interest of the Eagles?
2: Well, we don't know who has the interest of the Eagles. Well, just
1: who are guys that you could see being Eagles targets in the third to fifth round range?
2: All right, I'll just just name some players I I really like that I think are going to be in that range. Charles Tapper shouldn't be in that range, but he's probably going to be in that range. He's a guy for a really? defensive tackle from Oklahoma. Yes,
1: he's going to be that that far down? Is it yeah, just a the class?
2: I, I think so. You know, I think that there's a lot of – because think about this. How many defense tackles are going to go in the first 64, 63 picks? If you had to guess. If you had to get, you know, you're just guessing on a normal draft. Say,
1: say probably 10 maybe.
2: 10 would be, 10 would be high, but okay. we'll say that if it's 10. DeForest Buckner, Ashawn Robinson, Austin Johnson, Jihad Ward is four, Kenny Clark, Andrew Billings is six. is seven. Sheldon Rankins eight. Adolphus Washington, Willie Henry. That gives you the nine ten. Yeah. You have Hassan Ridgeway. we didn't mention. You have Willie Henry. You've got Chris Jones. People like Jeron Reed we didn't mention. Vernon Butler we didn't mention. Yeah. Sheldon Day, we didn't mention. There's a lot of yeah. players, yeah. so you know, and that's if it's ten, that's a high number.
1: I'm thinking ten because of how good this class is. Yeah,
2: right. So that I mean, that's and we keep mentioning this. There was a long press conference today, but Mike actually mentioned that there's two ways that this is going to go with the defensive yes. tackle class. Either a ton of them are going to go early, or teams are going to wait because they're like, oh, well, we we can wait to get a guy of great value later. Tapper is a guy that I, I think could get lost in the cracks, could get lost in the shuffle and fall through a little bit because, you know. They, He's not the flashiest player all the time. I love Charles, Charles Tapper, though. You know, a high-motor guy, knows how to play the run, knows how to attack offensive tackles, uh, athletic but also strong. I, I, I like Charles Tapper a lot. So he would be a guy in that range that would really excite me. I talked about DeAndre Houston Carson, the safety from William Mary. I think he fits that bill as that type of player in that kind of range. Tyler Boyd, you know, and a lot of people, you know, questioned his athletic numbers again today. Compa- there's a lot of comparisons to Keenan Allen, who I think went in the fourth round to the Chargers. Look, look, look uh, a lot of comparisons there. Tyler Boyd is one of my favorite players in the draft class because he's got outstanding ball skills, and that's what it's really about to me. You know, at the wide receiver position, I don't, you know, I don't think he's stiff as an athlete. I think that he's, you know, solid at least as, as an athlete for the wide receiver position. He's got solid size. I, I like Tyler Boyd a lot, and to, you know, it, to me, if you, if you get him in the third round, which a lot of people are projecting right now, uh, that would be a steal for me. You know, they're, they're, along the offensive line, there are some players that I'm excited about. You know, Max Turk from USC, I think, is a guy who's an outstanding talent and going to fall a little bit because of the ACL that he suffered, the torn ACL. You know, there's Joe Dahl from Washington State, who I think could fit in really, really well at guard, and I, I would say the same thing, same thing about Turk. You know, at the edge rush spot, we talked about Correa earlier. Is he a second-round pick? Could he potentially fall? What about Ron Thompson we've talked about? Devondre Campbell from Minnesota I really like. So, a lot of talented players. <laughs> I was about to say. I'll, You're just about keep, I'll just keep going if you want. But, uh, you know, a lot of talented <laughs> players in the middle of the draft. I'm, I'm excited that we got a question asking about that range because it's what it's all about. <laughs> we
1: we – we. Got Charles Tapper. It was like two mint on Charles Tapper. I'm like, <laughs> all right, maybe we're gonna get one name on offense, one name in on defense. I and mean, he fit no. eight names in there and come uh, on, you know seconds. I'm
2: not gonna just pick two guys. No. Uh
1: the last question for the evening comes from John Barchart from Bleeding Green Nation Radio. Who put cement in Duranya Wilson's shoes? Oh today? come
2: on, John. <laughs> 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 no, Josh Norris actually had it uh was the Jockey Wilson. The Wilson. That was Wilson. good. That was well was done. Very, very good. Big, big fan of, uh, of bad puns, and that was good.
1: <laughs> and uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Some great questions. Thank you very much for sending them all in. That's going to do it for us. Here yes. from the great city of Indianapolis.
2: Another year, Chris.
1: Another year in the books, uh, but the march toward the 2016 NFL draft, August, April, I was going to say August, April 28th, the 30th, coming up very, very shortly, eight weeks to go. It'll feel like August. Um, we'll be back with another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA on Wednesday. Wednesday, Back in studio, Alex Smith will be back in the house. Yep, we've got the,
2: the Eagles Insider podcast makes its return this know, week. Be
1: this week, it's a bit, lot of stuff coming up here. Yeah. So exciting times. Franchise tag deadline, March 1st. Free agency right around the corner beginning of March 9th. You're saying this is the Draft podcast, but obviously those moves will impact what the Eagles do in the draft so make sure to rate and comment wherever you consume our podcast whether it's insider eagle eye in the sky journey to draft podcast presented by triple a eagles live should be on the uh, itunes channel hopefully very shortly great stuff there from dave spadaro but that's gonna do it for us here on this edition of the journey to draft podcast presented by triple a for fran duffy i'm chris mcpherson thanks for listening have a great saturday night